It's time to ignite your life, empowering from the inside out. Stop comparing yourself to others. Imagine creating your lifeliness the way you choose. This is Now Women Ignite. You're about to meet some amazing entrepreneurs who will share their journey and the ups and downs that led them to where they are today. Listen with an open mind and heart. Now, here is your host, Karen Wright. Now is the time to unite as women. Each of us are unique. Each of us walking in a different season. Are we that different from each other? Are we more alike than we realize? Today, my guest is Jill Coford. Resilience may be, maybe you've heard that um, word thrown out around in the media. Resilience is our ability to adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. We like the idea of resilience, but in truth, resilience is a hard-won quality. Today, Jill and I will be discussing her life journey as she has done some resilience herself in the last couple of years and continues to grow and is involved and has come out on the other side. So Jill, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing? I'm super. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's good to uh, see you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, listeners, as we begin this series, I always love to start out with just a grounding and meditation um, just so we can connect Jill and I together, plus with our listeners. So as we begin, I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment, taking a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And one more deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now bring your arms up over your shoulders and give yourself a big hug. And repeat this affirmation three times to yourself. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy of my love. Another deep breath in through your nose. And out through your mouth. Then tapping three times on your chest, repeating the word accept, 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 accept. One more deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And listeners, as we took this time, thank you for being here and being in the present and being now with Jill and I as we go through this interview together and Understanding that our ego, our human mind is behind and that we lean in with our heart, being authentic, being raw, being true to who we are. So I am so grateful for this, Jill, opportunity for you to be here. Listeners, you're, we're in for a big, big treat. <laughs> and um, I I love Jill. Jill, how long have I known you? Oh, my gosh. I 18, don't... 20 years? Probably pretty close. I think we moved into the, our neighborhood when... My old, my youngest was about two and she's 19. So yeah, yeah. It's, been a- it's been a minute and I've watched Jill and I love her to death. And she has been um, an inspiration to me with everything that she has done in her life. So this is a complete honor for me, Jill. And I'm just, I love you. So thank you uh-huh. for taking time out of your busy schedule <laughs> to be here today. You're very kind. Um, as we begin each session, Jill, I love to have an affirmation. Affirmation became a very important part in my um, healing journey over the last decade. 
Um, and I have affirmation cards I just shuffle up and one pops out. And so today I never look at the affirmation because I want it to be a surprise for you and me. And as I read the affirmation, here's the front of it. It's called now. Yeah. Um, I would love you to share with the listeners what comes to your thoughts. Okay. 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 So today's affirmation is, this is my journey, my trials, my life, my growth. Wow. I think that's a very, that's very personal, right? And sometimes as mom, moms and as women, we get so focused on everyone else that I think sometimes we forget about our journey and our path. And, and that's just as important as those that we surround ourselves with and that we're taking care of and loving. And, um, it's interesting to me. I, um, I have a reminder of that. This is a journey that life is not a destination. It's a journey. We're always moving through things and moving forward. And hopefully as we do that, we're growing and gaining a little bit more wisdom and confidence and peace as we move through those things that are challenging and hard and, and beautiful and messy that like life is right. Um, it doesn't always go the way we think it's going to go, but if we can put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward, then um, we can find our best selves. I think. I love that. Listeners write that down. This is my journey, my trials, my life, my growth. Put it up on your sticky note, put it up on the mirror, because remember, this life is about you. And Jill, tell a little bit, I love your bio, but I would love you to, um, in your own words, tell us, the listeners, a little bit about who Jill Coford is. <laughs> um, okay, that's a big ask. Let's see. I was born and raised in Ogden. I grew up in Ogden Canyon, went to school in the Ogden Valley, which was awesome and fairly idyllic ice skating in the park in the winter and, you know, had a whole class of about 60, I think, that went through first grade through ninth grade together. And um, I went to Weber High and that was culture shock because, you know, small town girl goes to a very big high school and loved Weber High, ended up staying here to go to college, went to Weber State. Um, after I graduated, I met my sweetheart, met my husband, Rod. We've been married for 28 years I have to think sometimes I forget yeah <laughs> we have three amazing kids um I have spent most of my life taking care of everybody in my household but I also to have a little bit of a creative outlet started a, a graphic design business I've been doing graphic design and photography for about 20 years um and Rod and I are serial entrepreneurs we've always had something going on together so in addition to doing all of that I help manage the finances for our joint ventures that we work on together. And um, a number of years ago, we started a private family foundation as an effort to help our kids give back. This community has given so much to us and our family, and we're so grateful. And so our kids all sit on the board of our little foundation, and, and we just try to find projects that we all resonate with. And a lot of those end up focusing on education and children and um, it's fun to watch your kids get involved in those things that that they're passionate about. And we work on those together as a family. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's with pretty it, with, with the foundation, what's one of your the highlight that you guys have picked? One of the um, nonprofits that you sent over. Do you have one in general that you're just like, oh, my gosh, this one hit hard? Or I loved this 
Do you know, know, we've been really involved with Boys and Girls Club of Weaver Davis for a number of years, and I was fortunate enough to sit on their board, um, and now I'm a friend of the board, just kind of a pivot when life gets crazy. I didn't want to give up that connection because to watch what they do for our kids in our community, in our backyard who are struggling with things and just giving them a mentor, there's so much power in that to watch these kids just flourish. It's been, that's probably one of my favorite, favorite, favorite events. And this year we were fortunate and we got to sit with the youth of the year who actually came from our club in Weber Davis. And she is a remarkable young lady. That girl's going to light the world on fire. So it was so fun to get to sit with her and her family and get to know her a little bit. That is amazing. So what's the philosophy behind the Boys and Girls Club for our listeners that might not know what that is all about? So Boys and Girls Club works with kids who just need a place to go after school. Um, And they may come from, they come from all different walks of life. um, But their parents, many of their parents are working at one and two, three jobs trying to put you know, make ends meet, which is Mm -hmm. a challenge in our economy the way it is. Mm -hmm. And these kids just need a place to go where they can do homework, they can get homework help, and they can have an adult that cares outside of their parents, because we all know those of us that have have adult children, (laughs) (laughs) it takes a big drive, right? And sometimes having more adults saying the same things that your parents say, it will resonate with your kids a little more. So their focus really is to provide that mentorship a safe place where kids can go, where they can be productive, they can be involved in all kinds of things. They go on different field trips and excursions. They're exposed to a number of of events and activities that just kind of help them broaden broaden their experiences. And then they get that mentorship relationship as well. I love that. And are they nationwide? They are nationwide. Okay. Um, And um, I... I want to say our club has been around for maybe 20 years. It could be old, even older than that. I'd have to go back and look, but started in the Roy area and it's grown to encompass um, several locations throughout Weber and Davis counties. So oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love giving back. And you know that we've done that scholarship for our daughter. And I just think it's important for our, our kids to get to see how it's being used. Money's being used and hands-on experience all the time. And and education can change so much for people, just having that opportunity to pursue whatever that looks like in education. So, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. So um, I love it when, as a guest, you can become just very open and authentic about your feelings, emotions. Um, Is there, has there ever been a time in your life where you hit like rock bottom and you just thought, what am I doing? What do I need to change in life? It's a loaded question. And I know, so you can be like, <laughs> decline. I'm not answering that one. Or well, I, yes, I have an experience I could share. Well, I think it would be disingenuous to say no. I think we've all, um, you know, life, life yeah, is, I, know. I think I started by saying life is messy, right? Like yeah, you did. Messy. Um, I personally had struggled with depression when I was younger. And, and with postpartum, it was really, really hard. Um, trying to find those tools to help you through that emotional roller coaster. And a lot of that is hormonal, right? Especially mm-hmm. when you're a young mom and you're exhausted and you can't sleep. And 
So I, with my oldest, especially I had postpartum really badly. Um, I was lucky that I had a physician that was like, he recognized what was happening. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was, I used some, some antidepressants at that time until I could find some methods that worked for me a little bit better than the medication, mm-hmm. and, which was exercise, honestly. So, um, yeah, working through that. And then when I got pregnant with my second, with my son, I recognized the symptoms right off the bat and knew what to do to kind of manage that for myself. Um, and for me, medication has been, it helped kind of get you over the curve, but exercise has really been what keeps me grounded. Um, and there's something really powerful in being out in nature, um, whether it's running or hiking or riding my bike or whatever that looks like. Um, we tend to be pretty active. We like to ski. Um, we love to water ski in the summer and be just be outside and be active. And, and there's some very healing power in nature, I think. So, yeah, yeah. I would totally agree with you because I found that too, when I was on medication after, um, the loss of Kalina, it was like, yes, it gets you over that hump, but then it's like, it empowers you now to take the next step of how, what do I need as an individual? And I was with you. Nature is one of the biggest ways just getting out and being active and exercising. And so listeners, I mean, you're not alone. All of us go through times in life where we might need a little extra help and you will find your way, but you're not alone. Ask doctors, seek for professional help, get you over that hump to be able to move on to finding what works for you to keep that under control. Um, Thank you for sharing, Jill, because, you know, being vulnerable sometimes, my listeners are like, yes, I want to hear what's going on and how did you manage? And we never know who we're touching when we were able to share our stories. So I I joke that I save for my kids therapy fund and not their college fund, but (laughs) because I think having somebody you can confide in and talk to is important too. And not being afraid to say, sometimes I need help. I don't, and, and that's hard. You know, I'm kind of a driven person and I figure I can figure it all out, but knowing that, that sometimes you need to ask for help is that there's power in that. So, Yeah. yeah, there is power. And I love that, that you said that because it is empowering when you're able to do that. And all of a sudden you spoke it out loud, you've asked for help and then you own it. Yeah. And once you own it, you can take care of it. Right. Yeah. I love that. So tell us a little bit about you somehow got involved in politics. When did all that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. A number of years ago, probably... 10 or more years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, I decided I wanted to understand how the political system in Utah worked a little bit better. And I volunteered to be involved in the Weber County Republican Party. So, and got thrown in the deep end um, (laughs) in the party, which was really a great experience. I met some amazing people. I got to interact with a lot of our local elected officials and watch them and learn from them and see kind of how our system of government works, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've always been engaged in wanting to know what's happening with current events and, you know, understanding what's happening to whatever our our schools, our 
economy, you know, the policies that are being made that impact our lives on a daily basis. So that's just something I've, that I've always been interested in and um, got more involved when I, when I got involved in the party and then um, took a break for a little while because it's politics and sometimes it's not always the most uplifting place to be. Right. It can wear on you. <laughs> it can, you know, and I, when, you, when you feel like you're constantly in that fight or flight mode, that's not necessarily healthy. Right. And I have pretty strong opinions, so I won't back away from that. <laughs> Fairly strong. Which is good. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I love our country. You know, it, it, yes. and this goes back even to high school. I remember going to Girl State in high school and running for Dern City Mayor and being involved in kind of understanding how politics works. So that, and, and that happens, you know, you have certain times in your life where you have a little more time to be involved and mm-hmm. you can choose what that looks like. So fast forward to 2021. And I think I was tired of listening to myself complain about the state of politics. My husband was certainly tired of listening to me. complain, <laughs> And he said, if you're going to complain, do something about it, run. So it, it seemed like the right thing to do after a lot of soul searching and talking to my family and um, some political consultants. And we decided it was good timing to throw my name out there. And it was terrifying. I won't lie. You know, you open yeah. yourself up for a lot of scrutiny. Uh, yes. <laughs> and the the political climate in our country right now is so divisive and so negative that I was I was afraid really to put my name out there um and it's a little surreal when you drive down Harrison Boulevard in Ogden and see your name everywhere <laughs> I loved it though I'm just saying Jill and I live in the same community and I was like yes power. Like, I loved I love seeing that and yes I would like yeah scared to death yeah because all the skeletons come forward and you're yeah. like, wait, that happened. You know, that's not me anymore. This is me now. But it's like, I could, crazy. Well, do you know what I found? I was truly, truly humbled by the number of people that I met who were so incredibly positive mm-hmm. and supportive. It was one of the most humbling experiences of my life. And I started reaching out to people to ask for their support, right? And that comes in all different ways. It comes in terms of endorsements and um, financial support, which is which is a really uncomfortable place for you know when you have to when you're asking people to invest in you. It's easy for me to raise money for Boys and Girls Club oh. or for some other charitable cause. That's an easy ask in my mind. So that was a big hurdle to overcome. And um, we had lots of conversations with my campaign team and they said, look, you're asking people to invest in your ideas and those ideas that you will move forward in policy. And if you can separate that a little bit and say, this is why I think these ideas are the best ideas and can you support those and invest in those? And it was really an amazing experience, honestly. That's great advice. It really is. It kind of takes you, you as a person separate from what you believe in, what your truths are, what you want to get out there and create for the community. And it it, it forces you to really solidify what you believe mm-hmm. and what that means in terms of policy, right? So it, it takes it from sort of an abstract ideal of what, you know, 
of the the constitution and the principles in the constitution and on our state constitution and it and it solidifies it narrows it down to what that means in actual practice and policy and those conversations were amazing um i did a lot of door knocking a lot of cold calling and that's scary <laughs> i admire our kids that go out and do that for a very you know they do summer sales and in Utah we have a lot of kids going on LDS missions and they're cold calling and knocking on doors and it takes a lot of courage to walk up to somebody and say I want to talk to you about some of your most personal ideas and what you think about government you know so but I I met some of the most amazing remarkable people who I never would have knocked on their door for any yeah. reason you know I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm sure that it was probably more of a, a positive experience and a negative. A hundred percent. I was yeah. shocked because I was prepared for what we perceive and what the, the news media would have us believe that we are so divided. Right. And my goal was to try to find commonalities when I knocked on the door. And that's always, I mean, that's kind of how I approach interpersonal relationships anyway. If I can make somebody laugh. Right. Or break down a barrier it, and and hopefully we can find a connection once those barriers are, are taken down so that's really how i approached the door knocking was just to try to find that connection where we may not agree on everything and i would hope we wouldn't because if everybody agreed with me it would be a really boring place right oh, so boring and we wouldn't get to the best ideas as as right. brilliant as i might think my ideas are i know that they can be better right so uh -huh. so if we can anyway find those commonalities and challenge the way we think in our conversations. And I had that happen. So, and for the most part, like I said, it was so positive. I love that. I think that's so important to have. Um, so with humor, did you have like a, a one-liner catcher that you would use when you knocked <laughs> on the door? <laughs> oh gosh. Now you're going to make me think. Not really. <laughs> like, no, just whatever, you know, no, I just wrote it's on my feet. <laughs> if they had gnomes in the garden, we could talk about the garden gnomes, whatever. I mean, you know, you just try to, yeah. you can tell a lot about a person by their front door, what they have hanging on the door. <laughs> and yes, you know, as a candidate, you you know which doors you might be looking at your list thinking, maybe I shouldn't knock on this door. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you just kind of go with your gut feeling and go, mm, <laughs> moving on, which is totally fine. That's what we do. Right. Um, that's, yeah, that's crazy. So curious, just with campaign running and things like that, dollar amount, how much does that cost? Um, I think our race was probably one of the most expensive state legislative races in, in Utah, Um and I'd have to go back and look at Yeah, them. no, I know. I'm just kind of like throwing it because I've, I've all, you know, just. I think soup to nuts. So I, my campaign ended up being really three campaigns. So there are a number of ways to get on the ballot in Utah. Okay. Um, one way is to go to through the caucus and convention system. So you have neighborhood, neighborhoods are organized in a caucus. They elect delegates who then go to county convention. And at county convention is where the race I ran for, the nominee can be voted in at county convention. There's also a way that you can completely bypass that system. A candidate can go and gather signatures. They have to have a certain number of signatures and that puts them automatically on the primary ballot, right? Mm -hmm. So I chose not to go that route. 
I chose to go through caucus and convention. So that meant that, and, and there were two, there were two of us running in the Republican primary. So once I got through convention, my opponent was already on the primary ballot. So going through the convention process, I had to win enough support of the delegates to have a high enough percentage to be placed on the ballot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that was one campaign, right? And it was very focused on the people who had been elected by their neighbors to represent them at convention, those delegates. So there was a lot of phone calls and emails and personal meetings. We held a lot of kind of smaller cottage meetings, breakfast meetings. Um, The party held some meet and greets where people, the delegates could come and talk to us and ask us questions. Mm -hmm. So went to convention, one out of convention, um, I think I got about 70% of the vote at convention. So that placed me on the primary ballot. Okay. So then we shifted gears and we had to get through the primary um, in order to get to the general. So the primary election was held in June. I think the convention was in March. So I had a couple of months to really hit the ground running with mailers and door knocking to every Republican voter in my district in Weber County. And the goal was to try to reach um, most of those people and to share a message that resonated somehow with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got lucky and worked really hard and we made it through the primary. So from the primary, then we went to the general election and that's where the incumbent in our area, um, she and I then are running against each other and Unfortunately, I lost by 500 votes, but again, we worked really, really hard. We, and I've never run for public office before, so I'm actually pretty proud of the result. I was going to say, you should be very, very proud of what the results (laughs) were. And 500 points, that's close. It was, it was close. Yeah. I I was going to say that is dang close. That is crazy. So would you do it again? Or are you going to do it again? Do you want (laughs) to share with us something amazing? (laughs) Um, I haven't decided. I don't think that I'm done with politics. Um, I feel like I have a lot to offer. Um, I would like to see somebody like-minded in as my representative. So, and I've got all of my signs in storage, so it's not a no. <laughs> um, but there's still some, you know, that that's a conversation that as a family we really need to have. It was it was hard on my family and um, a lot of work. I think during the primary, especially my husband was full-time putting signs back up, whether it was wind or, or what have you, we had signs that were constantly knocked down and, you know, do you want to keep right. those? I'm sure that I probably have some signs in Elko too, because the wind was so bad at one point. <laughs> they just over in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, probably somewhere. So anyway, um, I will probably run for something again. I'm not sure if it will be that same seat. Um, but, and I'm still involved with the local party. So I think that's amazing. I think that's great. Um, as you, as you move forward, well, as you, when this whole experience happened, and I know that would you share with the listeners a little bit about like you feel like you put all this work in and this happens in life where we just go after something, a goal that we're going after and we want it so bad or a race or whatever. And at the end of the day, we didn't, we missed it by, yeah. 
right? Just a little, little bit. How does that, how does that look? How does that feel? Well, I mean, it, it was, it was tough. It was hard. Um, Then you start to second guess yourself, right? You look back and you, and it's easy to be an armchair quarterback and look back and say, where were the missed opportunities? What could we have done better? What, you know, what did we need to pivot on? What did we need to, you know? And mm-hmm. then the obvious question is, well, this is a very purple district. Can a can a Republican even win in this district? So there are a lot of questions that I'm still looking at and evaluating. And um there were some, there were probably some missed opportunities. And um, we we tried to hit every every voter twice, at least twice. Um, and I tried to be very responsive to emails and calls. And, you know, it's interesting because you have some people that say, I had people on Facebook once we started running some more Facebook ads saying, where have you been? I've already voted. And it's a challenge because in Utah, we have vote by mail. So people had three weeks to vote, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, my signs are all over Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I, I've been here, but somehow we missed this one person. They're like, yeah, I didn't, you know, and, and so you have to go back and think, well, how did we miss them? I mean, I sent so many mailers, we sent emails, we were doing social media, we were, I was personally knocking on doors, I had volunteers out knocking on doors. How did we miss that one voter? So you start to evaluate those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be fibbing if I didn't say I probably took a week to feel really sorry for myself. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad you did. Yeah, you I know. think it's important. Right. It, I, I put my heart and soul into that. It was something mm-hmm. I really wanted. I wouldn't have run had I not thought I had something to offer and was passionate about it and wanted the job, right? Mm-hmm. And felt like I had something to offer my constituents that was, in my mind, a better choice than what we currently have. And that's it's nothing personal or negative. It's just a different choice that I felt was was more representative of myself. Um, so, yeah, you know, you spend a little bit of time feeling sorry for yourself and being bummed out. And that's normal. It's part of the grieving process, right? Mm-hmm. And it it just is. You've, you've worked really hard on something and, and it's it's left your reach. So, yeah, it's tricky. I love the fact that you took time. A lot of people are, you know, I think in life we're not, we don't allow ourselves as a human to take time and just grief, whatever it is, however it looks like, whatever an individual needs. Like we're used to just putting on a mask, asking, you know, everything's fine. We're good. We got this. We're strong. And you plow through it. But you're not really learning and growing as a soul. Right. And understanding, okay, what can I learn through this? And, you know, after you sat through it, you're like, okay, how did we, you, you read, you're looking back and you're going, how can we make it better? Right. And I think with things like that, when we have disappointments in life, it's like, how can we make it better? How can I make this better as I move forward? And what are the lessons I learned and apply them and be able to push through that? And I love that Jill, that you did that. Cause to me, that's very important. And sometimes you go through something for the first time and Mm -hmm. And it takes an, another time to go through that, right? No matter what it is, your your perspective is different. 
I think that if I were to run again, I would be a lot more calm about some things. Probably wouldn't need the intervention that my 19-year-old needed because I couldn't stop talking about politics at the dinner table. And apparently we needed some boundaries at the dinner table. So, you know, I mean, I just think I would be, I mean, I would have a different perspective. It's it's like that with anything, right? Mm -hmm. Think about your first job when you walk into the environment and how that environment changes over time as your familiarity with it grows, right? It, it completely shifts in your mind because you have that experience and that understanding. So just like anything in life, I think sometimes we try and we fail and we try again and that's okay. Oh, Abraham Lincoln failed a lot of times before he became yeah. our president, right? Oh, there's uh, there's so many entrepreneurs in life, like Honda. Like there's so many examples about you know, as entrepreneurs or people politics, people who want to experience life and and push themselves to the next level. You know, a lot of times you you push, 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 and then it's like yes, you right. get it, and and you appreciate it more. A hundred percent. So. Yeah. I, I went back to school and got a master's in teaching and I taught school for a little bit. And I learned something when I was teaching, especially math to third graders. And I taught third and fifth grade. We were teaching math. And, and I had read a study that said it is after you fail at a math problem and figure out the answer. So you get the problem wrong and then you have to go back and redo it and fix your mistakes. That's when the synapses connect that's when the learning takes place. So I just always kind of held on to that because sometimes it takes going, it takes not getting the right answer, not getting the results we want to go back and relearn the steps to have those synapses connect and that knowledge to happen. Yeah. I love that. Listeners remember it's okay. You know, we learn from, we learn from not achieving the first time around and figure it out. What did we do wrong? Reevaluate. What could you have done? and improve on what you see it could have been a lack of and i love that that facebook person reached out and said hey where were you three weeks ago you know when i voted and hindsight now you know moving on when your next journey is to run again facebook is going to be right up front and center probably even more so than what it was. we'll probably run more ads on social media <laughs> like we're going to do this and we're going to do it you know but it's a constant growth. So what was your main, what were, what was the main thing that you stood out as you running for district 10? What was it that was like, Hey, we're going to do this. Like, what was your main um, like theme or your value? What was it that was very important to you that you wanted to get across to the people? So, you know, it's interesting to me, the policymakers have one job in my opinion and They'll probably argue with me, but there's one job of a policymaker, and that's to protect our God-given rights that are outlined in our Constitution. There are three of those, life, liberty, property. The job of any policymaker, whether it's city council to the to the president, who is an administrator, but okay, to Congress, who are making mm-hmm. policies, their job is to protect those rights. And I think that that has to be foremost in our, in our mind. And for me... Um, there were things that I feel like we can do better as a state. We can get this state out of the way of regulation and so that people can make their own decisions. When the government gets involved in a lot of those regulatory things, it, it stifles creativity and growth 
and our economy. So rolling back some of those regula- regulations, making it easier for businesses to thrive. Um, and I think we saw that really during COVID where the where the government was making choices on who could stay open and who couldn't. Um, so just getting government kind of out of the way and keeping it in check and in balance. And those things are really important to me. Um, personal property rights is another big thing. And I think the state should take the lead on a lot of that. Um, we also, right now, our governor just announced that um, Utah is suing the EPA because the EPA has passed a rule that will shut down our our coal plants in the state of Utah. And maybe for people, you know, that sounds like a really good thing to have clean energy. But guess what? I want to be able to turn on the lights in my house. Right. I want to be able to connect with Karen on my computer and I need electricity to do that. And if the EPA has its way, half of Utah will not have power in, in, a, in a very shortened amount of time. We don't have the time in Utah right now to replace our existing power systems. So okay. unfortunately the state has to state, take some measures to take back that power from the federal government. And I see that as a really important thing. Our constitution says to the to the federal government, here are your jobs. Here are the things that we have delegated to you. And anything not delegated to the federal government should come back to the states to, to regulate and control. And I, I think that that's an important thing that as state legislators, we can they can send that message, right? So. So really, for me, it comes down to to really focusing on those constitutional freedoms that have made this country the greatest place in the world to live, right? Yeah. To protect those those freedoms, and I think we can do a better job at the state level. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think I think there's a lot there's a lot of shifting happening in this world right now. Um, so, Lady President. <laughs> What do you think? What is one thing as president? Let's say you ran for president, you made president. What is one thing in this world that you would want to make sure was happening? Mm-hmm. I know there's millions, but like okay, I would never want that job. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. That's why I could say it and we laughed about it, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, you never know. But <laughs> we we have a lot of rules that are being passed by our federal government by unelected, unaccountable people who have been employed by the government for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Congress has has delegated, has given up, really, because they can't seem to talk to one another and, and pass actual meaningful legislation, right, mm-hmm. for a number of things. So really, I think we need to to get back to those fundamentals of our Constitution, and we've forgotten that. And and if that means that there are some of those bureaucracies that need to be shrunk, then so be it. Um, if that means there's a shift in the way we tax people, then so be it. Let let people keep more of their money. That helps the, the economy grow and be healthy. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, the, really the things that I talked about on a state level translate to a, to a national level, right? Yeah. It comes back to protecting those those three fundamental god-given rights that that every human on the planet should hold dear and 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 making the government more accountable to that and more accountable to the people really 
So I yeah. don't know. It, no. That's a big ask. So I know. <laughs> clean that. No, get I'm, rid of all the three-letter agencies out there. I don't know. The FBI, the CIA, the EPA. <laughs> I mean, shift that to the states. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is crazy, but. I love the fact that you have you've stepped into this role and you are powerful and you will make a change and people will support you and I will support you, but <laughs> you got me behind your back. Um, so before we end, we're, we, ju- we just got a couple of minutes. Um, one word of advice for my listeners today. What would you tell them? If you're afraid to do something, do it. Don't that. let the fear stop you. Um, if you have that idea, but that, but it's fear that's holding you back, know that you will find the power and the support to move through those things that you think are so scary and big that you can't do it. You can do it. I love that. Listeners, remember, you are strong and powerful. And you know what? To me, if you're not if you're not fearful of something, then you're not stretching yourself. If you're not trying something new, and life's too short not to experience different things. Um, Jill, it has been such a pleasure. I could go on for another hour talking with you. And I appreciate the fact that you've been here. We didn't even talk about your travels around this beautiful world of ours. And that would be- We'll have to do that next time. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have explored and you you have lived your life. And I love that about you. You continue to move forward and enjoy and your beautiful kids and your husband. You guys are a wonderful family and a great, great um, add to this community. So thank you for being here. Um, As we wind down the show, listeners, I want you to remember the affirmation that we had today. This is my journey, my trials, my life, my growth. Don't forget that. Stay on your path. Figure it out as you go through. And remember, you're not alone. There are people around who will help you, whether it's professional or your friends, your neighbors next door. But at the end of the day, you get to choose what you want to do with your life. The choice is now. As women, we are empowerful. And together we can ignite and we can move forward and transfer first Ogden, then the state, and then the nation together. Because women in this nation is powerful and always remember that you are unique and authentic and perfect just the way you are the breath is a gift of life choose now and live remember this world is not for sissies and we're here to experience our own story as we each walk our own personal journey have an amazing amazing day and thank you for being here now at women ignite thank you Thank you for sharing your time with us. Now, Women Ignite can be heard monthly on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We look forward to you joining us again. Everyone knows a realtor. A seasoned realtor, Karen Wright, has the experience and the knowledge of this crazy market. Whether you are a first-time homeowner, downsizing, or divorced, Karen understands the importance of easing the pressure for her clients. A hands-on realtor, Karen has been known to paint rooms, box up toys, bring food to her exhausted clients, and even help them find movers and cleaners to help simplify the process. She reminds her clients to take a deep breath and trust in her. For your next real estate needs, remember Karen Wright at Realty Paths Summit. Visit yourbestmoveyet.net.
The book Now or Never, Shine Baby Shine, is authored by number one international best-selling author Karen Wright. Karen's book invites readers to learn and grow through every aspect of her life. She invites all who have experienced any loss in their life to take time, read, and feel her words as she opens her soul page after page. Through each twist and turn of her journey, Karen invites her readers to heal and become the person you are truly meant to be. Find your truth, live now, and shine. Visit shinenowornever.com or look for the book on amazon.com.